Welcome to Zen for Everyday Life with Matt Valentine. Insight, inspiration, and wisdom for living a more mindful, peaceful, and joy-filled life. Episode number 20. Welcome everyone to a new episode of Zen for Everyday Life. I am Matt Valentine, and this is the official Buraimonia.com podcast. You can visit Buraimonia.com to get my weekly blog posts, various mindfulness and meditation guides, all of the podcast episode show notes, uh, my books, and various other resources. Plus, you can join the weekly Buraimonia newsletter at buraimonia.com forward slash newsletter. That's the word Buddha, B-U-D-D-H-A, and then I-M-O-N-I-A dot com forward slash newsletter. Uh, with that, you can pick up my free ebook, The Little Book of Mindfulness, to begin on your path towards uh, learning the practice of mindfulness meditation and bringing the practice into your everyday life, among various other little gifts and resources for you as well as part of being uh, being a member of the weekly newsletter. Uh, so today I'm really excited. Uh, I had a little bit of a unintended break from the podcast, as you may have noticed. And uh, the reason for that was I didn't originally intend to take a break from the podcast, but uh, the work that I had to do for my latest book, This Moment, which if you have been listening to the past couple of episodes I've mentioned uh, frequently, uh, because of that, I because of the, the work that I had to do with regards to the release of the book, I wasn't able to actually get around to recording the podcast episodes that I had scheduled. Originally, I had a pretty pretty set schedule, uh, and a couple things happened that just really threw me off and uh, forced me to put a lot more work into the book to make sure everything came out uh, on time and in the way that I originally planned it. So, you know, things happen, you just have to roll with it, and that's what I did, and everything turned out amazing, the book turned out amazing, I've gotten so many great responses about the book, uh, I was holding the paperback in my hands recently, and it, it looks beautiful, it feels beautiful, uh, I'm more proud of this book than anything else uh, I've worked on or put out, very happy with it, very proud, and thank you so much, everyone, anyone who supported the book in any way, the the, the book launch team was amazing. They were so incredible in helping get the book, uh, the word out for the book, helping support the book with with uh, various different testimonials and so much great feedback as well along the way. And for everyone who purchased a copy of the book and uh, for just anyone in, in, in whatever way you helped support the book, thank you so much, even if it was a simple share, reshare on Twitter or Facebook or something. Thank you so much. I deeply, deeply appreciate it. Uh, But I can definitely say that I enjoy recording podcasts a lot more than recording audiobooks. Uh, That was actually where uh, the brunt of my unexpected work came from. Something like over 75% of the audiobook ended up being corrupt. And so I had to re-record it, which... Uh, if you're not familiar, recording something as large as an audiobook is an immense amount of work. And so needless to say, that really threw me off and that was that was pretty difficult to do. Uh, really enjoy recording the podcast. Don't so much enjoy 
recording audiobooks. So I can be sort of off the cuff with audio with the podcast. Audiobooks, not so much. You have to read the exact page as the words are on the page. So yeah, that was that was pretty difficult. But it was an adventure and I just used it as an opportunity to practice and I just adapted and I did what I had to do to make sure that I was able to bring out the book in the the timely manner, uh, on schedule rather, and at the quality level that I intended to, and that I, I expected to bring out uh, for everyone. So again, everything turned out amazing. Thank you so much for the support. And if you'd like to check out the book yourself, uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, you can go to thismomentbook.com. Again, simply thismomentbook.com. You can check out the book page there and uh, pick up a copy. There's the digital ebook copy, which comes in the PDF, EPUB, Mobi, whatever format you want it in. And there's the paperback copy, which turned out beautiful. I'm so proud of that. I did a lot of work to make sure that turned out uh, as it did. There's also the audiobook formats and all kinds of different bonuses to help take you to help you take the practice and the material in the book further. So you can check all that out. Again, thismomentbook.com. And so having said that, I am so excited to get to today's episode. I missed the podcast dearly. I missed recording for you guys and being here, being able to talk to you guys each week. It's completely my intention to bring you the best episodes that you have listened to thus far. I have so many great episodes planned and a couple of really cool surprises along the way. Some A couple of different things that I'm working on that they're still in the works, but there's certain expansions to the podcast and things that I'm that I'm working with and I'm thinking about and I'm trying to figure out uh, see how all that will, will come together. So, so many great things planned for the podcast and so many great, amazing episodes that I have lined up. So I'm very, very excited to be back, back at it. So uh, thank you for all the support. I got a lot of great uh, emails and comments about the podcast over the past couple of weeks too, while I was working on the book. So thank you so much for all the support uh, with regards to that as well. And so today we're going to talk about bringing mindfulness into the workplace. And this is one of the, you could call sort of areas of life in which people are most interested in bringing mindfulness. And I'll have to give a little bit of a disclaimer here. I want to be really clear in that part of the reason why people are so interested in that is that they're interested in mindfulness ability to increase their employees' ability to make them more money and make them more profitable and more successful. And I want you guys to know that that's never the angle in which I'm going to come at and which I'm going to speak to you from. Uh, I am not against mindfulness ability to open up our creativity and make us more efficient and more productive. And that's something that I think is is great a great uh, byproduct, a great uh, sort of in addition to but it should not be the reason in which you practice. Uh, that is, I consider it's an unwholesome reason to practice because you're, you're once again, just in a different way, striving to get something with which to fill you up. And it's just an unhealthy tendency. You're just, you're filling the unhealthy tendency in a slightly healthier way, but it's still the underlying bit to that is it's an unhealthy tendency. Uh, you're using it to get yourself, um, to, to acquire something, uh, specifically with, with regards to wealth or productivity or success. So 
I come at this with regards to expanding your mindfulness practice throughout your life, as I have so many times in so many various different episodes. And this is just another super important, super large, super, super big area of our life. For many of us, eight hours, almost every single day, some of us every single day, some of us many more hours than that each day. Uh, But for most of us, at a minimum, eight hours for five days out of the week. That's, That's a huge amount of our life the amount of each of our lives that that we are sitting in some sort of a workplace which is just incredible to think that if if you disregard your practice that's the big thing if you disregard your practice with regards to the workplace then you're making a big mistake there's no reason why you can't bring your practice into the workplace but the workplace is a little bit of a different a little bit of a different uh, environment and so there's a couple different key factors that I'm going to go over before I go over the main points and the suggestions that I have with regards to actually bringing the practice into the workplace. Uh, but before we get into today's topic, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to buddhaimonia.com forward slash support. Uh, that's B-U-D-D-H-A-I-M-O-N-I-A dot com forward slash support. Uh, it's simple and easy to donate. Uh, you can donate in various different methods. PayPal is an option there as well. And the donation will help pay for the time as well as the money that I put into the podcast and allow me to continue bringing you great content each week. So having said that, let's get to today's episode. Okay, so today we're going to talk about how to practice mindfulness at work, bringing mindfulness to the workplace. So before we get into the topic I want to make sure to clarify something. Don't be confused. And by that I mean mindfulness practice is, in a lot of ways, just the same practice as when outside work. So I don't want you to think that there are, this is a totally separate, different type of effort. There's certain different qualities to this, but I'm going to show you in a moment. We're going to get down to the defining characteristics of the work itself for most of us. Your work might be slightly different than this, in which case you might have to do a little bit of work to identify the defining characteristics. But the point is that there's certain defining characteristics that make up the the effort that you make while you're working. And that those defining characteristics, those underlying characteristics, are really what's important. Not whether you're at work or not at work. Everywhere that that we are, everything that we do in our, in our, our daily life, each one of those arenas, so to speak, has defining characteristics. And if you can identify those, then you can learn how to practice mindfulness effectively in anything. And so that's what I'm getting at here. What I'm getting at here is I'm trying to help show you how to practice mindfulness in anything instead of just giving you a couple tips and say, hey, do this at work, you'll be able to be more mindful. That's helpful, but it doesn't teach you to be dependent, to be independent, rather. It teaches you to be dependent, you, then you want to go and look for an article on how to be more mindful with your kids. And you want to look for an article on how to be more mindful whenever you're doing, you know, whenever you're exercising. Can I be mindful when I'm exercising, when I'm running? Can I do that? And then you think that they're separate things. But I'm going to show you, we're going to go over defining characteristics here. And you'll be able to take this same concept and apply it to anything, really. And once you know, once you can identify these characteristics... Uh, or know the general process of doing that, you can find out how to be mindful effectively in doing anything. 
Being mindful and doing anything is easy. You know how to be mindful if you've listened to the previous episodes, uh, read one of my guides on the blog, or whatever it may be, read one of my books. So that's an easy process, but doing so effectively is a whole different subject. And that's something I talked about before. Making mindfulness a way of life is much different than simply being mindful while doing an everyday activity. Uh, this is making mindfulness a way of life is a much larger effort. And so within that, when we're talking about bringing mindfulness uh, to work, I want you to understand those defining characteristics so that you can independently bring mindfulness into the rest of your life in an effective way, rather than just have a couple of tips that can make you a little bit more mindful. And so, yeah, I want to make sure to be very clear about that uh, at the front. So the primary difference here is the fast pace. The primary, the defining characteristic for most of us, for most of us with regards to the workplace, is is the fast pace. Now, some of you might be saying, well, I have a couple of kids and home is pretty fast paced too, but generally that is even still the case. I know from experience, there's still a sort of sense of a faster pace, a sort of sense of you need to try to get as much done as possible. Whereas at home, where you might have a hectic life at home, it's not get as much done in as short a period as possible. It's, I have a lot to get done and it's hard time. And it's, a hard, and it's hard to juggle them, which is, it's, it's different. There isn't that same sort of intensely fast pace uh, being imposed upon us. So that's the main characteristic I want to, to make sure to highlight here. Now, there's a big interest in mindfulness at work, as I mentioned. But understand that it's mostly due to various scientific studies pointing to mindfulness ability to increase productivity in various ways, again, as I mentioned. And so I want to make sure to really emphasize this because it's important. This is okay, but it shouldn't be the reason you practice, okay? More than anything, I want to focus in on the defining characteristics about work so that we can create a more mindful work life based on those factors. So I just wanted to make sure to emphasize that one more time before we get into this. So uh, more than anything, uh, as I mentioned, I want to focus on the defining characteristics about work. And that's with, with the purpose of crafting a more mindful work life based on those various factors, those various defining characteristics. I truly believe that the best way to go about it is to focus on those characteristics because, again, it makes you independent. No matter what work you do, if your work changes over time, you can still find, you know what those defining characteristics are and how to promote and how to encourage your practice best. And just injecting certain practices that seem to fit or are attractive is really leaving the effectiveness of your practice essentially up to luck. And in a general sense, it can be very beneficial for your well-being as a whole to break your average workday down to its essential factors so for, for a number of reasons. So I'm going to go with some general characteristics here, but keep in mind certain characteristics might not apply to you or other different ones might. So ultimately, it'll be your job to find the core characteristics of your type of work, but the likelihood is all or most of these characteristics will fit you so you'll have a very good starting point. Uh, so here are the defining characteristics of most of the, the average person's workday. And by the way, you'll also notice that this applies to daily life in general for most of us. There's slight variances here, 
But again, you'll get the idea and you'll be able to apply the same principle outside of work as well. So the defining characteristics of work, really when, it break, when you break it down, number one, it's communication. Communication is a part of all of our lives, but work, that's a really, that's a defining characteristic of work. Communication, I mean, you go to work to be around other people, to communicate and to get a larger, you know, this larger task, this larger goal done to accomplished. Number two is repetitive processes. You have a job. Every day you show up, you have a specific job that has to get done. Generally, you're doing the same process over and over, even if you're in a creative role. If you're drawing pictures or writing stories or something, it's still the same thing over and over, even if the story and the thing that you're drawing is different each time. The process itself is always repetitive to some to some degree. Number three, for most of us, technology is a defining characteristic of work. Whether you're on a, a laptop computer, a desktop, you're interacting with smartphones and tablets, or some sort of other technology like projectors and various different things for presentations, technology is a defining characteristic for most of us. Uh, even if you, at this point, work in... Uh, in a, in a sort of workplace that isn't doesn't naturally lend itself to technology, technology is inserting itself because it's just so useful. It, it makes everything better. So very defining, uh, very important defining characteristic for most of us. And number four, which I mentioned, is the pace. In this case, it's a fast pace, a very fast pace. So that pace is, is, is something that can stretch throughout our, our day, our lives, but this pace is generally faster when it comes to work. And in a lot of ways, work can sort of encourage a faster pace outside of itself. And so there, there's also that to take into consideration as well. And not, the, not that it's that outside of work, we also have a fast pace, but, all, but in some ways that work is just making us habitually move at a faster pace outside of it. So having said that, there is a set of points that I want to go over, and these are what I found to be some of the most effective points with regards to bringing mindfulness into the workplace, and they're all based off of these defining characteristics. So again, you might have slightly different defining characteristics. Maybe technology really isn't the defining part, and you can just remove that. Maybe there's something else that's a defining characteristic of your position, and so it's important to really look at this list and say, are these all uh, defining characteristics for me? Is one of these not? Is there something else that's missing? Because when you know those defining characteristics, you can take the specific points within these and you can emphasize them. You could take all of these and use them. But the likelihood is there's a couple here which are going to work especially well for you depending on what characteristics are at work here. So keep in mind, I did these these seven points which I'm going to go over based on these four defining characteristics of communication, repetitive processes, technology, and a fast pace. Each point doesn't necessarily deal with each one of the defining characteristics, but these seven points together, they handle all four of the characteristics uh, successfully. So keep that in mind as we go through here. So some of these points will jump out at you more than others, 
take the ones that you feel can be really useful to you and emphasize them at work. My suggestion would be not necessarily just to take all seven because that can just really be overwhelming. Find the two or three which you think that will really be useful and realistically you can stick to. You can make a habit for yourself. That will likely be a lot more effective than uh, ever bother or ever trying to to do all seven because that's just a little bit a little bit much. It's a little bit unrealistic to think that you do all of them or at least all of them right away. So yeah, my suggestion is just take the two or three that jump out at you that you think that you could utilize most effectively. So getting into the points, here is point number one. Don't divide your time. This is a point that really, for the most part, deals with all of us. Some of you will own a business and say, well, I work from home and, you know, home spreads into work sometimes. And uh, But with exception to that, uh, this can be a real problem. And in that case, that can especially be a problem as well. If, if you own a business and that there's that sort of thing that happens just naturally, uh, that can lead to being a problem itself. So try not to divide your time into my time versus work or my personal time or family time versus my work time. All time can be your time. If you live more present, if you make your best effort to stay in the present moment and keep in touch with what's happening in your body and mind, there's no way, there's no reason why your time at work should be any less pleasant or important than your time anywhere else. And I need to explain a little bit more about what I mean by that. First of all, it's a mistake to divide your time with regards to your life in general. But mindfulness practice will begin to get you to identify with this subtler experience, with this more subtle experience that that we are always in touch with, no matter what it is that we're doing. But we generally can't, can't, we don't generally don't notice it. We generally can't detect it. We can't, we aren't very good at listening to it. We can't hear it, I guess is a better way that you could put it. And what I mean by that is when you begin to practice mindfulness in earnest, you notice that every moment really can be your time. We often think of, you know, those two hours we get after work to to ourselves to being like our only time that we get. That's our time. We can do whatever we want with that time. But really, what is that time? What is the purpose of that time? When you really think about it, what is the purpose of that time? And why do you need that time? When you really get down to it, and I'm not, this is a kind of a large subject. I, I can't go too far into detail about this. It could be its own episode in itself, which it probably will in the future. Uh, but when we're talking about us needing our own time, just needing that time to ourselves, and if you have children, you know this especially well, or if you're married, needing that time to yourself, when we really talk about that, it really comes down to an issue of self-awareness or of awareness in a general sense. When you're busy at work and you're just you're going, 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 it's not about the fact that you're working for somebody else or about the fact that you're do, not doing what you would like to do. It's about the fact that you're not fully present and appreciating that moment itself. It's about the fact that in every moment, you know, the very, the very philosophy of this is not my time, this is not what I want to do, 
is you rejecting the moment in some way. And you're keeping yourself from the ability to, you're keeping yourself from enjoying it. And it might sound kind of weird, especially if you don't really generally enjoy your work. And I'm not saying that you're all of a sudden going to love it if you hate it. But I am saying that if you work on being more present during work and being mindful as you work, even if you dislike what you do, you'll find that that time, which you once didn't consider your own time, becomes your time. Whether it's the time, you know, your work time or your time for one of your kids or your wife or husband, you find that that also becomes your time because of that awareness that is present in that activity. You begin to find that when you get your own time to yourself, when you get your own time, when you get that time to just kick back and do whatever it is that you like to do to relax, the defining characteristic of that is the fact that you're slowing down and you're becoming more awake to what you're doing in the moment, generally because you're enjoying yourself, and when we enjoy ourselves, it's easier to be present. It's easier to be mindful, just naturally. And so if you work on bringing mindfulness into the workplace, then you'll find that that time can be your time as well, and in a very real way that it can actually be nourishing. It's a very weird effect that sort of happens, but so most importantly is... Stop, at least in your mind, philosophically, uh, principally, dividing my time and work. Just begin, just plant that seed in your mind. Plant that seed in your mind that these are not separate things, that you can enjoy yourself in each moment, that the quality of each moment, that the quality of your, of the level of your peace and your happiness depends upon the, the quality of each moment for you. And the quality of each moment is up to a number of factors that really have nothing to do with whether or not you get, you know, a half hour later on to watch your favorite show or not, or kick back and read a book, which you may continue to do anyway, and always continue to enjoy anyway. But that ultimately the reason for the largest contributing factor for your peace, your happiness, isn't because of that. It's because of you being more aware, more present, more fully of each moment. So again, don't divide my time and work, work outside of work. Understand that each moment is the same moment. Outside of work and inside of work are the same, and you can enjoy yourself both places, and it can all be your time if you work, if you work steadily, uh, if you work diligently, to bring the practice of mindfulness, to bring just greater awareness into your into your workday. So that's an important point that really has to do with everyone. This is really a point, just a seed to plant uh, in your mind that applies to everyone. So number two, take a mindful break. This is one of the simplest and easiest things that you can do, and it just so happens that it's always the most important tip with regards to everything. But with regards to work, this is super important as well. And actually, depending on what you do, if you feel like this is something you're going to have to convince your boss of, or that maybe you have enough freedom, enough uh, enough flexibility, or enough uh, leeway, rather, that you could bring this to them and show this and maybe get a couple more breaks in the day, uh, then then feel free to uh, to look up the uh, the Pomodoro 
uh, Pomodoro method, uh, you can actually present information on that and show that taking a couple extra breaks in the day is actually going to make you more productive. So yeah, look up the Pomodoro method. That's not point number two, but it's it's in, at- in attachment to it. Uh, yeah, look that up. Uh, so point number two, though, is to take a mindful break. And by that, I mean to just take a moment to yourself to generally to be mindful of the breath, to go home to yourself, to turn inward to your breathing, and to take a quick break. And that could just be one minute. For a lot of us, honestly, you could do that at your desk. Uh, For most of us, that's something that you could do without anybody even noticing that you did it. But again, you could take a more defined break if you'd like to. And uh, yeah, for those interested, you can look up the Pomodoro method is essentially... Uh, you work 25 minutes straight and then you take a five minute break. And uh, there's actually evidence showing that that makes you more productive rather than just continuously working, which is, uh, I thought was very interesting to find out at first that taking those breaks makes you more productive, which seems counterintuitive. Uh, but there's absolutely evidence to back that up. So again, take a mindful break. This could be one quick minute You could be sitting at your desk or where you're at and just turning inward to your body, just becoming mindful of your breathing, of the sensations uh, that you may be feeling within your body. And this could be even be something where if you feel like you can't actually take that sort of a break, maybe you're in a more physical job, where every hour a little reminder goes off on your phone or on your watch or whatever it is, whatever you have that you can use. And if you don't really have that affordability to stop, you simply use that as a moment where you turn inward to your body and you become more of your body and your breathing while you continue to do whatever physical task you're doing. You don't have to stop. Stopping would be more beneficial if you could literally create a break in your day every hour. Ideally, I would do it every hour for just one or two minutes. Uh, But again... You could do it that way too if for some reason you can't stop. If it's some sort of a physical job where you don't have the ability to stop, you can do that as well. And you can just simply use that as a moment where you emphasize being mindful. Of course, you make an effort to do so outside of that, but at the beginning, that's just really difficult and oftentimes it doesn't happen. So during these little moments, for a minute or two every hour, you emphasize your practice. The reminder goes off for a minute or two, you're mindful. And you maybe you, you make the effort to continue being mindful after that. A lot of times you're just going to drop off and you'll forget. Uh, but this will emphasize your practice and will begin to build a healthy habit. And it's a it's really something that no matter at what level of practice you're at, you should continue to, continue to do. Uh, you should take a mindful break indefinitely. This is something that the monks and nuns of Thich Nhat Hanh's various monasteries do continuously. It's just a regular practice. So very beneficial. And uh, that's there's many different ways you could do that. Again, just you could set a simple phone or watch reminder to go off once every hour or so, however often you want. And again, take about a minute, two minutes to become mind, to become mindful of your breathing uh, or your body, if that tends to work better for you, depending on what the tasks are, uh, whatever it is that you do at work. So very effective. Point number two, take a mindful break. Go home to yourself. Point number three, mindful greeting, which uh, mindful greeting is really about noticing mental formations. And this is one of my all-time favorite 
mindfulness in the workplace practices. Uh, remember I mentioned one of the defining characteristics of work is communication. And this is this point is built off of that. This really refers to noticing specific emotions, bias, and attitudes that arise when coming in contact with others, whether communication occurs or not. So communication doesn't always happen, but within communication, I, I place contact within that same communication characteristic, uh, those sort of touch points that we have within each other at work. Maybe we're just passing on paper or, or mail or whatever it is, but uh, this exercise can be done on those touch points as well as communication itself. So this is really one of the most powerful and valuable practices on this list, I feel, because it can begin to clue you in about hidden bias and harmful perceptions that you hold within you. So, uh, and this is something that so many of us have, and for some of us, it might be uncomfortable to think that we have these within us, but it's just, it's a natural, they arise naturally, and the only way that you can get them, that you can work on removing them is by by actively working on it to actually do something about it and you can't ignore it uh don't kick yourself if you notice you have some sort of uncomfortable bias towards a particular person or particular type of person or something um just notice it see that it arises and notice clearly uh that it's uh, you know it doesn't make sense or it's not fair or it's not kind and just allow yourself to become aware of it, and it'll, and that working through to notice it, on noticing it on a regular basis, will allow you to, to work through it. That awareness, especially in the case of something like this, that awareness often can be all that is necessary to work through it. So, to do this, simply make it a focus to at least be mindful when first approaching someone. So, of course, the intention would be to communicate mindfully altogether. Uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but at least be mindful when first approaching someone. You walk up to them, you consciously acknowledge whatever arises within those first few moments that you walk up to them and greet them with a handshake or a hug or whatever it is, and you're just aware of whatever arises in connection with connecting, with coming in contact with this other person. Really, this even this short period of mindfulness can be very telling for ourselves in our own practice. Again, like I said, the various different prejudice, harmful perceptions, uh, and bias that we have within us can begin to rise to the surface as we practice this more and more. So it's a very simple practice, which you can emphasize and can really help. This is particularly useful if you come in contact with a lot of people throughout your workday. If you don't, it's not so much useful and you might want to go with another point. But if you do, as many of us do, this is a very useful and very effective point. So number four, walk mindfully to, from, and within the workplace. This is one of the simplest points. It's simply about emphasizing mindful walking, walking mindfully. When you walk into work, walk mindfully. As you walk out from work, walk mindfully from work to your car. And within the workplace throughout the day, make it a point that Especially, this can be very effective if you don't walk throughout your day. If you just walk in at a couple of different points in the day, you make walking mindfully. That's sort of fo one of your focus practices in, in, in a particular week or two or three. And so whenever you get up, you make sure you walk mindfully. And maybe you're doing a power walk or even a run, depending on where, 
where you work, but you make a focus to to do so mindfully. So that's very, very important. And it can be very effective because of the fact that most of us don't walk throughout work constantly. If you do, it actually, I would say the opposite. It's not really going to be all that effective for you because it's going to be very difficult to remember to be mindful if you're walking constantly. That's the, Then it's going to make it a very difficult practice to do at first. Uh, after a while, if you've really begun to bring the practice into your life and your workplace pretty well, then you could work on that. But in the beginning, it's not really going to be very effective if you work a lot. If you just work on a couple different little points in the day, it can be very effective because you can focus in on just a small portion of your day and emphasize that practice. Uh, and it becomes much easier to remember that way as well. So point number five, practice mindful communication. This is a pretty big one, again, because communication is a very big defining characteristic of work for most of us. And there's two kind of fundamental points I want to go over with regards to this. Uh, mindful communication is sort of a big subject, and it comes down to mindful speech and mindful or what's sometimes called deep listening, uh, as Thich Nhat Hanh refers to it. Uh, and mindful speech is, to some degree, becoming aware of the effect of your words. Um that the effect that they have on others. So if you're just beginning to communicate in a more mindful way, uh, focus on this for a moment before you speak and be aware of their reaction as you're speaking with them. So you're not just saying words. You're also being aware that communication, within communication, you can communicate things that hurt another person, that truly hurt another person. You can communicate things that truly help and and bring up and rise and raise someone up. Uh, you have that power when you're speaking to someone, to anyone. And so it's about it's about owning that and just being aware of whatever sort of hidden intentions or deep intentions exist behind the words that you speak. And then from the listening part, it means really just really listening really honestly listening to someone. When someone's talking to you, whether directly or to a group in a group setting, be fully present, fully, fully present for their words. Don't pick up your phone, uh, distract yourself with anything, any sort of thought. Don't, uh, you know, start to stare out the window and think about whatever it may be, something else more interesting you think about. Uh, don't also, an important point within this is to not judge someone through their words either. Uh, fully listen, be completely open to the words that they're speaking, to everything that is that they're saying, and really just let it come in without, uh, without, that, critical, uh, without that critical voice. And so this is an effort for some of us. It'll be, for depending on who it is we're communicating with, it'll be easier or more difficult. But it's really just the simple act of really listening with all your being. You're not doing anything else but listening. And you're listening fully. You're being completely attentive uh, as you are listening to their words. And be aware of whatever arises within you as they're speaking words, as they're speaking the, uh, to you. Depending on what they say, you might have a negative reaction within you to it. You might, have, you might notice yourself sort of go, oh, yeah, right, sure, yeah. You might have that sort of, you know, mental reaction and just notice that that arose. You just sort of said, yeah, right, sure. Okay, that happened. 
You don't judge it. You don't immediately say that it was wrong. Don't just say, well, of course that's wrong. That's something I shouldn't have done that. Just notice it. Just start off by noticing it. And as you notice it, more and more, you'll start to see certain patterns. And when you notice patterns, that's when you'll begin to know, okay, this is something that I need to work on. Uh, it's really more about noticing those patterns rather than just identifying one time where it came up and thinking that you should take action. Just do do the work of listening deeply, uh, not only to their words, but listening deeply to what arises within you in accordance with that. That's attached to that. So, Number six, mindfully engage with technology. Now, I mentioned that technology is a defining characteristic of work for a lot of us. And this can be one of the big trouble spots because it can be very difficult above everything else to be mindful while engaging with technology. Uh, there are a couple of different things that you can use very effectively to engage, particularly at the point of contact with technology. And there's a couple different tools. Some of these I mentioned before, but they are super powerful, super effective. So they're absolutely worth mentioning again here. Um, this episode definitely, with how big technology is in the workplace for most of us, this episode would not be complete without mentioning these. So number one, I use all three of these. I use all three of these pretty constantly. I mean, on a daily basis, all three of these. Uh, so I find them very effective. Number one, uh, the Momentum Chrome extension. Uh, this is, it's just a really awesome Chrome extension. And it's, uh, I just, I heard about it from someone that I followed. I don't even remember who it was at this point. And they said, hey, there's this Chrome extension. It's really cool. Uh, instead of showing you your 10, the 10 websites that you visit most often on when you open up a new tab, which is very distracting. Or if it doesn't have that, if you're on, if you're on Google Chrome, the Chrome browser, it shows you all your favorite apps, which is also distracting. Instead of that, it shows a, it just shows a beautiful image with the time, a blank bar below that to write whatever you want. For instance, I always suggest you could just write be mindful on that line each day. It says hello, whatever your name is. And it's that's just about it. There's a small little settings icon on the bottom left to change a few settings. That's essentially the entire page. It's very focused or it's it's intended to focus you and not distract you whenever you open up a new a new tab, which is so helpful. I can tell you that made a distinct difference in my ability to keep myself from wandering while I was working, but also to stay present because you can put that little message in there each day to be mindful. And so that then doesn't just become a point of less distraction, but also a point of of more mindfulness, more mindful awareness. So uh, again, that's, it's called Momentum. So if you just look up, you can go on Google, just type in Chrome, uh, Chrome extensions, Momentum Chrome extension, it'll show up there. Uh, that is only for the Chrome, Google Chrome browser, unfortunately. Uh, so if you use that, you can take advantage of it. Uh, if you use Firefox or something, you can't. But this next one you can use for Chrome and Firefox as well. This is the Bell of Mindfulness extension. And again, this is Chrome as well as Firefox. So you can use it for either one and just do a quick Google search. It'll pop up. You can download it in two seconds. This right here is the most useful of the three uh, little, you know, technology tools, technology against technology, I guess, <laughs> uh, tools that I'm mentioning here. By far, it's my favorite. By far. 
So this is a very simple uh, extension, a very simple tool, which is you set the timer to go off however often you want. For me, I have it go off every 30 minutes, okay? Uh, this can work in tandem with taking a mindful break. If you work at your computer, you can set the spell of mindfulness to go off every 30 minutes, every hour, and it can be your alarm for your mindful break if you work exclusively in front of a computer. So it can be very effective for that. So you set that timer, and so in if it's a one hour, let's say, with our mindful break, a traditional Buddhist bell rings every hour, and it does three deep rings. And during that time, you then just take your mindful break. You just become mindful for that moment while that timer is going off. When it is time, the, the bell rings. It's a nice, nice, solid, loud bell, a uh, very distinct sound to it. Uh, and there's also a nice little reminder, little, um, little window that pops up at the top right corner uh, corner of the, the screen. So there's two little ways that it it just sort of sticks itself out and says, "Hey, look, it's time for your time for your mindful break." Uh, and so again, you can set that to however often you would like, and it is just really effective. Really, really effective. It's not just a audio reminder; it's a visual one as well, with a little window that pops up. And so, it's super, super helpful. And again, I consider it to be the most useful of these three tools that I'm covering here. If you, if you utilize any of these, this would be the one that I would work on first. I would take this and I would run with it. If you work in front of a computer on a regular basis, okay. So number three out of these three little tools is to make a mindful smartphone wallpaper. And this isn't any specific app of any sort. Uh, I'm going to mention two that you can get, whether you're on Android or iPhone, but there's a lot of different things that allow you to do this. This is simply the act of putting essentially text, or you don't even have to use text if you don't if you don't feel it's necessary, but for the most part, putting text onto a wallpaper and making it your wallpaper on your smartphone. And that's that's really all that there is to it. Uh, with regards to the iPhone, you can use the Over app. That's just the word Over, O-V-E-R. Uh, on Android, you can use, I think it's uh, pronounced Fonto. I'm pretty sure that's it. It's P-H-O-N-T-O. Uh, so I think, I think it's font plus photo combined. I can't really tell, but I think it's Fonto, P-H-O-N-T-O. Again, that's on Android. And so the idea here is you can add text to a picture quite simply. That's really all it does, which is why you can do this with so many other things too. Uh, you could do this with the wallpaper on your desktop too. You can use uh, a website called Canva, which is what I use for the images on Budaimania pretty often. C-A-N-V-A.com, canva.com. That's a really easy one. I think there's actually like a preset desktop wallpaper size that you can probably uh, do. And if not, you can just right, probably right-click on your desktop um, find out the dimensions, type it into Canva. They make it really easy. Uh, so yeah, again, your desktop wallpaper, you can do this with too. Uh, and so you just add text like be mindful or connect mindfully or, uh, you know, breathe mindfully, be mindful of the breath or be fully present to this moment or enjoy the present moment. I have this little 
reminder when I, I open up my MacBook that says, uh, enjoy the present moment. And every time I log in, which is uh, so long as I step away for more than five minutes, I have to quickly log in really and just put my password in. It's that message is there. So whatever it is that you like to put there, it's just a simple message that reminds you to be mindful. And whatever little message that, that seems to help uh, or work best for you, it's just taking a nice picture, some sort of picture that it doesn't even necessarily have to stir a sort of greater attentiveness or awareness or presence in you, but just some sort of nice, pretty picture maybe that sets you enjoy looking at. And with those words, very prominently, uh, wherever you'd like to put it, uh, that you can read on the picture. So again, smartphone wallpaper or even your desktop wallpaper. And so it's a it's very much a point of contact reminder. So oftentimes we see... <clears throat> And we always see our wallpaper on our phones before we open them up. So it works great as a point of contact reminder. So before you open your phone, you know that reminder is always there. You can never open your phone without seeing it. Sometimes you can kind of bypass it and sort of ignore that it's there a little bit. Uh, if you kind of adopt a bad habit with regards to, to it. So this can actually, reminders like this can kind of go backwards if you don't really emphasize it and, and treat it as something that's important. Uh, but for the most part, as long as you do so and you really treat it as something important, then this can be very effective. With regards to a desktop wallpaper, we usually see those in the morning because, I don't know, a lot of people will close their windows down and open their computer up. Uh, that's not so much effective for me because I always have some sort of window open and then I just close my computer. Uh, so it all depends on how you utilize your computer. Uh, but at the very least, as a smartphone wallpaper, this is the most effective. Uh, our smartphones, I don't have to tell you, they're just a great source of distraction for us, a great source of mental dispersion, uh, which just keep us from being able to live more present with a more one-pointed mind. And so this, it can be very effective. So if you're on your smartphone, smartphone constantly throughout the day, then uh, this would be uh, the one out of the three little uh, technology tools here that I would focus in on. Uh, but really all of us, all of us are on our smartphones these days uh, pretty constantly. So very effective little tool using technology uh, against technology in a way or to be more mindful uh, with technology. And again, this is very much a point of contact uh, tool as well as the Momentum Chrome extension too whenever you open up a new tab. So uh, you can utilize whichever one you feel will be most useful for you. Uh, but again, like I said, if um, if you're in front of your computer constantly throughout the day, take the Bell of Mindfulness. And also the Momentum Chrome extension will be very effective as well unless you just use the same tabs over and over. If you're opening up new tabs constantly, definitely get the Momentum Chrome extension. And if you're on your smartphone constantly, pick up one of those simple apps, make a wallpaper real quick, and you can do, you can just get creative. You can use a picture of, maybe if you have a picture of your family, you can have that same picture with the words there that remind you. You can use it as, it can have a dual use. So you can use whatever photo you want. There's no sort of restriction there. So you can get creative with that. So that's mindfully engage with technology. Now, lastly, this is going to be a, probably seem like a very simple, straightforward tip, but it's a very important one that I want to make sure not to forget. And that is number seven, break time meditation. 
So it's simply taking a moment to meditate on your break, uh, or alternatively, eating your lunch mindfully. I know we do different things on our breaks. Some of us will, uh, a lot of us will eat on our break. Some of us will have a quick snack, depending on you know what it is that you decide to do. So you can go either way here. Some of us have an hour-long uh, lunch or break, and some of us have a half hour. If it's a half hour, you eat and your break is kind of over. If you have an hour, then you can take it meditating instead of eating mindfully, or you can do both. So you can decide ultimately how you'd like to do this, but this would then act as your sort of one big break in the middle of the day where you emphasize your practice where you really use it as it should be used for in the middle of a, of a rough work day. You use it to, to take care of yourself. You use it to, to really just enjoy yourself, to be mindful. Uh, maybe you work somewhere where it's, it's pretty outside and you can walk outside. You can take a walk or you can just sit at a bench or something and enjoy just watching the, the leaves, the trees sway back and forth mindfully and you can look at the blue sky and you can just sort of touch the blue sky with your mindfulness and just be aware of the sound of the, the chirping birds and the floating clouds and the various different sounds and sights around you. Whatever it is, you can use this break time meditation as a time to take care of yourself. Again, that's really what it should be used for. If you decide to eat your lunch mindfully, if that's what you want to focus on as the practice, this can be very beneficial to eat your lunch mindfully each day, to really take that time to focus in and just say, I'm going to just put my total focus in on eating this meal mindfully. That can be a highly nourishing practice. That can that can turn your break into something that's just uh, you know, a slice of something in between two things that you really don't enjoy. Uh, and just totally turn it around into something that is one of your most favorite points in the day of all. It absolutely can do that. And if you have the ability, if you have your own office, or you can walk out to your car, or you have some sort of a place where you can go to meditate, then you can you can literally do a full meditation session uh, on your break, on your lunch, depending on however long you have, and again, if you have the ability to find some sort of relatively private uh, place where you can where you can meditate. So there's various different things you can do here. Um, so break time meditation, no matter how you utilize it, super important. Use this time to yourself, take care of yourself, and nourish your well-being with some sort of uh, some sort of mindfulness practice. Again, within each of these within each of these points, rather, you'll see there's a lot of flexibility, at least most of the points. And so you can really structure this the way that you want. You can find the points that are not just most effective for you, not just the ones that you think will work best for you, but also with regards to the practices and the ways in which you would like to practice and the things that you would prefer to do versus others. So you can really structure this how you want. You can make it your own. But within these seven points exists to me all of the critical ways that we can bring mindfulness into the workplace. All of the critical ways that we can that we can practice mindfulness at work, that we can emphasize our practice during work. 
And again, you can take these defining characteristics and you can bring them elsewhere. Uh, you can you can make them truly apply to your own work if there's some sort of other characteristic that I didn't mention. Um, and you can take this outside of work and you can apply it to other areas of your life, such as certain extra activities that you do, working out, exercising, whatever it is. Uh, you can apply this in that same in that same way. Just identify those defining characteristics and apply two or three uh, key tips or practices that identify that work that help you work through those defining characteristics, uh, those various different challenges that are associated with the practice, or just key sort of elements uh, of the practice, the things that really make it what it is. So I hope you enjoyed these various different points with regards to how to practice mindfulness at work. Again, this is a very uh, popular subject, something that people like talking about or, or are very interested in. Uh, there's a lot of articles out there, a lot of different various tips, uh, but I don't think, I haven't really seen it broken down in a way that people talk about what the defining characteristics are. Uh, and as opposed to that, it's, it's usually just a couple simple tips that have to do with just you being a little bit more aware in your workday, which is important, but it won't really help you make, it won't really help you be mindful at work. Uh, it won't really help you make that a way of life. You don't want to just, you know, take a couple of tips and apply them a few times and then drop off and then nothing becomes of it. That won't result in anything. You have to make the practice a habit. You have to make the practice a way of life. And so there has to be a more long-term vision. We have to look deeper. We have to look down into the, the fundamental elements of the activities, of the thing it is that we're doing. We need to really break it down and come up with strategies that help us create a long-term difference. And that's that was my attempt here with really bringing mindfulness to the workplace on a long uh, in a in a long term on a long term basis. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed today's episode uh, how to practice mindfulness at work, bringing mindfulness to the workplace. I hope that you have your two to three key points, the key points that jumped out at you that you felt would be most effective for you and that you immediately begin to apply them. Essentially every one of these points you can take them and you can apply them tomorrow. You can apply them today. If you're on the way to work in the morning right now, you can apply them today. Just write down two or three on a piece of paper or in the notepad in your phone. If you're on the way home, then do the same thing. Bring them into work tomorrow and start working on them. And don't think that you're going to get it right away. Even if you just focus on two to three points, you're probably just going to forget constantly fail repeatedly, but you know, give it a couple of weeks and you'll start rolling with those couple of points and you'll notice it, there will be a noticeable difference. And just keep at it. Make small, small improvements along the way and uh, you'll absolutely notice. Uh, you'll absolutely notice a change. You'll notice you'll, that you'll be more mindful. You'll be more aware throughout your, throughout your workday. And like I said, this is a huge part of most of our lives. Eight plus hours five days a week to bring the practice of mindfulness into the workplace for many of us uh, can be a really big deal. So again, I hope you found today's 
uh, today's episode useful. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you get future episodes downloaded straight to iTunes or wherever you choose to listen to the podcast. And if you'd like to get more, you can head over to buddhaimonia.com. Again, that's B-U-D-D-H-A-I-M-O-N-I-A.com where you can read the blog, get the podcast show notes, check out the various books and other resources I offer, and you can sign up to the weekly newsletter at buddhaimonia.com forward slash newsletter. And again, my new book, This Moment, just came out uh, February 29th, so I am super excited about it. If you'd like to check that out, you can go to thismomentbook.com. And you can check out the book page, get all the information, check out the different editions, the ebook, the beautiful paperback edition, the audiobook, etc. So again, that's thismomentbook.com. And lastly, if you would like to support the podcast, you can go to buddhaimania.com forward slash support. And your donation will help pay for the time as well as the money I put into the podcast and allow me to continue bringing you content each week. So... Again, that's buddhaimonia.com forward slash support. And on that topic, if you'd like to support the podcast by purchasing this moment as well on thismomentbook.com, that's that's your choice as well. Totally appreciate that. However you'd like to do that, uh, I 100% deeply, deeply appreciate all the help and support from everyone that sent in donations, purchased the book, whatever it is. I deeply appreciate it. Uh, you allow me to to keep going, to bring you this content each week. Uh, I love doing it. I love being able to help in whatever small way that I'm able to in my little corner of the world. So thank you guys very much. Uh, There will be no verse for everyday life this week. I'll have some new ones next week, some great ones to uh, cap off each episode with. Uh, So look out for that. And uh, remember to check out this week's guided meditation. It's the traditional practice of walking meditation, which you can take and you can apply at the end of of your sitting meditation practices, ideally, and uh, use to really just emphasize to to improve your practices, take it to a different level. It's personally one of my favorite mindfulness practices of all. So thank you for listening to today's episode, and I will see you next week. Peace.